This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center. The facts are this, Mount Bachelor, as the bird flies or the car drives, is not too far from the ocean. Lots of moisture flows over the flanks of the over 9,000 foot volcano in central Oregon, which means deep, deep snow in winter. And that's the case right now where the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center is loaded up with snow. It is midwinter in the home mountains. To learn more about the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center and their COVID-19 policies, go to mountbachelor.com. This is Jason Albert, and you're listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. Like everyone and anything involved with this tour, we are running on fumes here. So we'll cut to the chase. Today, stage seven, classic sprint in Val di Fiume, Italy. It was a day when the women from Sweden swept the podium, and on the men's side, Sweden saw a career-first World Cup winner in Oscar Svensson. In terms of the overall, Russia's Alexander Bolshinov, he's most likely got this all wrapped up. And on the women's side, Jesse Diggins for the U.S. heads into the Stage 8 Alps and Me Hill Climb with the overall lead. Jason. Devin. Good evening. Before we get, I can hear you great. Before we get right into it, we're going to listen to 15 seconds of this, okay? Shit, okay. Just wait. Just wait. That's for the Swedish fans. It's been really? five long years. It's been five long years. Long, hard years since the Swedish man has stood on the top step of the World Cup podium. Five and years? I, and I have talked shit. Lord knows I have talked all the shit. But Oscar Svensson today did something that no one has done since Callie Halverson in we know 2016. Callie. In Lillehammer, Norway, in December of 2016, Lillehammer, Norway is the last time a Swedish man stood on the top step of the World Cup podium. That's crazy. There's a little caveat. Okay. There's a little caveat in that same season, in that same season, the 2016-17 season, Marcus Hellner in the World Cup finals in Quebec had the fastest time in the last day. We know how you I don't care. Say, we know how you feel about that. It's not a podium. <laughs> But there was no picture. There's no pictures, nothing there to, to say that that happened. Callie Halverson was the last person to stand up, step on the top step of the World Cup podium and listen to Du Gamla Du Fria, the national anthem of Sweden. Lord knows we've heard it a lot of weekends with the women. We'll get to that. But with the men, Oscar Svensson, what a Boy, drought. I love it. And it ended. Yeah. So congratulations, Oscar Svensson. Totally. I think he's 25 Svensson. years old. Correct. Yeah, he's relatively young. young. Oh, and he's yep. a huge talent. And he, he's, he is a huge talent. And the reality of it is, this isn't, if anyone was surprised, they shouldn't have been, well, they should have been a bit surprised that he won. God, I mean, Bolshinov, right? But the fact of the matter is, the guy raced in the final in Pyeongchang, I was there, I saw it. So he got the doors blown off him in the final, but he still made the final in the Olympic Games in the classic sprint uh, three years ago. So great to see Sweden back on top. God, it's just been such a mess, right, sure. for the Swedish man? And to win, you know, we were singing his praises when he had some top tens early. I mean, top six mm -hmm. earlier this tour. And to finish it off, because, I mean, he's going to be junk up that hill. He's too heavy and he's too big. Um, but to finish off the week with a World Cup win for Sweden, yeah, it was uh, it was a big day. Yeah. Wow. I just, I'm thrilled that you got a little creative at the beginning. <laughs> well, I had to, I mean, no one's talked more shit about the Swedish men. Like, I don't know how many listeners we have, maybe like 150 or something. And like, maybe, no, maybe, we're doing okay. Maybe like, we're actually doing fine. Maybe like 30 of them are Swedish and our inboxes get bombarded when we talk so much shit. Well, when, when I say we, it's the Royal we, when I do, 
but it's only because the Swedish men, like I said a thousand times, they're good. They're so good at skiing. Where have you been? Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. You're back. It's good. Let's keep this momentum going. All right. Well, a couple of things just to kind of pull everything full circle, because my synapses are probably firing a little bit slowly. We're at stage seven, uh, classic sprint today in Val de Fiume. Tomorrow is the final stage, stage eight hill climb. And like a week ago, we got an email from our good friend. Now our good friend, I feel like Daphne, who I think lives on the East Coast. She emailed us kind of berating us about, you know, probably for good reason for denigrating the Swedish team more on you, but denigrating the Swedish team and not just harshing on the U.S. men enough. In a week, we seem to have a resurgent U.S. men's team. For sure. And clearly, yeah, it's just kind of interesting, you know, how the how the news cycle, I mean, here in the U.S., the news cycle lasts about 10, let's, I'll give it 10 minutes. On the World Cup, you know, week to week. So the news cycles change a little bit in terms of the thread this week. Yeah, all Sweden... The women sweep sweep the uh, the podium on on their side, and yeah, a kind of an interesting race on the men's side. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's. Uh, I I do want to talk about let's talk about the men's the men's race first, uh, but I would like you to talk about this in the context of the race course, and it, it, you know the design of the course and that last say quarter of a kilometer coming off the top of the hill. Cause we saw some games gamesmanship today from some steely vets that did not pan out for them. Absolutely. And I mean, this is a championship course. So we've talked a little bit about the championship course, Zach, great to have him on the pod yesterday. He's he, yeah. People he can it. be so surly. I, I, I just was like, so shocked with some of what he was saying. It was like, I wish I could, I need a rebuttal. We need to get him back on the pod, but like, oh, yeah. he's. So, I texted him this morning. He's welcome anytime. Well, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, okay, anytime. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I've got some. Like, I needed some time to process a little bit what he's saying. So we're gonna have to get him back on. I'm gonna challenge. I'm gonna challenge some of his views in in a in a fun loving way. But anyway, but what Zach was saying about the course in Val de Fiem, the same rules apply here. The sprint course, especially for the men, we're talking about the men's course, and you you know you have that big hill out of the stadium, like we've we've talked. We've talked about a lot, and then across a flat, down a corner, down a hill with a sharp with a sharp right hander, and then into a fairly steep, fair semi long hill, and then at the top, at the apex of that climb, it's just a downhill with a right hand sweeper, and then a long drag to the finish. And what does that mean? Most people do not want to lead down that hill because you had athletes like in in the quarterfinal, you had Belov, who is a veteran, just get totally munched by leading down that hill and athletes that are a little more patient just sat in his strip slipstream sorry and blew the doors off him down the finishing stretch yet in the final they all stopped at the top of the hill i was expecting that and i'm like who's gonna be the idiot that takes this out first and then oscar oh yeah and then oscar svensson like actually got the jump he needed and he's a huge guy he's tall he's like six four and he gets a huge jump on the guys everyone stopped and he hesitates and then just goes for the finish line he's like this is my chance i'm going and he put in big digs and he got about two double pulls before the rest of the field before the rest of the field reacted and that little gap was all he needed to hold them all off which was crazy because down the hill, he mean he he cornered like Jesse Diggins around that thing. Like he was, it was a great cornering, uh, really pushing the. Well, I mean, it's skating. Let's be honest. I know it's a classic race, and there's maybe it's like change of direction. He was really good yeah, with his right, change right. of direction around that corner with no tracks, and was able to carry his speed. Like I said, he's a really big guy. He's fairly heavy, really solid in his double pull. You saw that today. I didn't really love how he was diagonal striding. There was a lot of hip movement and stuff and swaying side to side. For those that are really dork out and want to see him, watch watch uh, Svensson climbing that first hill out of the stadium compared to, say, a Bolshinov. And I thought there was a lot of movement in his hips and stuff, but in the double pull down the stretch, super solid, holds off the pack, wins, and what a win. I mean, and the way he won by being assertive at the top of a big climb when there is a slipstream. But the fact of the matter is, as good as Bolshinov skis were, do you see how fast Bolshinov yes. skis have been here in Val de Fiem? They've been insane. 
They have been so good. And even with that in the field, Oscar Svensson was strong enough to hold them off and a hard-charging Gleb Retivik. All three of those guys are big boys. They're tall and strong boys. And yet, Oscar Svensson comes out on top. Awesome stuff. Like, oh yeah, it was just, uh, it was actually an exciting race. And I've been harping on how much I've been bored with the men's, the men's uh, tour de ski this year because I missed that Clash of the Titans. Unlike Zach, I, I do, I like the Clash of the Titans. And I think maybe that's just from back in the days with, with Canada versus Russia and hockey and, and there's like those real battles. But uh, I've been really bored, like I've said. But today it was, uh, it was exciting. And yeah, man, coming away with a win like that. And then the two strong Russians. I mean, Gleb Retivik is no slouch in, in the sprint side of things. And we all know how strong Bolshunov is, especially in the last, the, the last, uh, well, the whole everywhere on the course, in any course around the world, Bolshunov is a force to be reckoned with, especially in classic. Yet they both got pipped. Wonderful win by Sweden. Hats off. Yeah, it was, it was a cool move. Like I, I'm sort of, I watched it a few times on the replay and it almost looks, I know he does not look back initially, but there almost seemed to be, as he started to go, kind of a hesitation, like, should I or shouldn't I? And he just took it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely cool. And I'm looking of a, of a photo and I think it's in the story right now of them going around that corner, like you're talking about. And Svensson has a, well, He's got like a two V board plus lead, probably halfway through that that corner, and uh, and he almost got sucked up. Yeah, he caught them unawares, which is right. shocking. Yeah, he almost got sucked up, but he had just enough. And the reality of it is, the Swedish waxing team did a great job, obviously, and and yet he he is strong enough and big enough. He's a big, heavy sprinter, and that was just enough. But that was quite the calculation. Because we'd seen that, and like I said, I, I pulled out Belov in his quarterfinal as an example, but there was a lot of examples of people leading down that hill and just getting totally munched and blown, getting the doors blown off them because the slipstream okay, is so right, big. Yeah. The draft there is so big. You're, you're, you're going at like 55K an hour, 60K an hour down there with race skis in Val de Fiam, even on classic skis, and that is a huge draft. So, But the gap that he had was was just enough, and like I said... That's why we started with the Swedish National Anthem. 2016, Lillehammer, early December, last time a Swedish man stood on the stop, top step of the World Cup podium. This was a big one. Hats off. Gratuler. I guess it's gratis in Sweden, Swedish. But a uh, wonderful day of racing. And thank you also for animating the race in the men's field. This was the best race of the whole Tour de Ski and the men's wow. side of things That's for me. Okay. Oh, Yeah. No question. Because because of that, because of those tactics there, man. Because of those tactics with the corner. Because, like, you wouldn't think someone could win from the front like that. And the fact of the matter is that he got that two-double-pole jump on the field. Like, they were still watching each other while Oscar Svensson just charges. And that that small hesitation by Retivik and Bolshinov especially, that's the game, man. And they weren't able to bring it back. And I never would have thought that was possible. I would have thought for sure Gleb and Bolshinov would come sweeping into Oscar Svensson and that's the ball game. Say goodnight. It's over. But they weren't able to do it. So it was exciting. It yeah, was I mean, exciting. Enough of a gap. So, yeah, just I want I want to kind of um, pick through some of the strategy for folks. So what we saw in the final, at least from my perception, was, you know, Bolshinov kind of, as I, I think I wrote a sentence, like puffing his chest quite a bit, um, kind of leading the pace. You know, it seemed to be like a legit sprint pace to me. For a while, for a while. Then it, then it died. For yeah, a while. Then he died. Then he, yeah. For a while. And then, it, and then it died off. And then they come up, you know, and they, they on the tabletop of that hill, uh, it wasn't quite a walk. Oh, it was a walk. No, it was it a straight was up walk. Very relaxed. Oh, yeah. It was so, mega chill. Yeah. So when you, when you, can you think a little bit about, you know, back to your days? Cause we do see a strategy like that. And oftentimes, obviously, in the finals, when, you know, you've already made the finals, now you're racing for a podium. We see tactics. You know, I can think of, obviously, you know, Nortug, Aklebo playing tactics like that. So talk to us a little bit about, what you're trying to do and how you're trying to play it coy. And when you do play a tactic like that, okay, what are traditionally a skier's strength? 
if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And the reality of it is bolshinov has been playing with this field the whole tour de ski. He doesn't need to win. Like, I mean, he's he's got he's got this thing locked up completely. Doesn't matter. But he knows he can win in any different way. He can blow the doors off everybody early, but he could also blow the doors off them in the double pole sprint, or at least that's what he was thinking. And he opened, like you said, with a fairly honest pace, especially up that first hill out of the stadium. And then, you know what? He lost his cool a little bit, and up that second steep hill, it just slowed down, slowed down, and at the top, like you said, they were walking, and he was looking around, and he didn't want to be caught out. He didn't want to be caught with his pants down like a lot of people had earlier that day, and especially his teammates, and didn't want to lead down that hill. And it was a bit of a suicide move from 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 Oscar Svensson, but what I loved, and this is what I tell the athletes I coach and I help out, the reality in the sprints in sprints is you have one bullet. Think about this in the final. You you have one move. And when you make your move, there's no hesitation. You got to go and you got to go to the finish line. And and that's that's it. So, you know, in a lot of sprint courses, if you're caught out, if you're caught out in sixth or, or fifth, and it's a course that you really need to be top three to move on or, or to win, uh, to hit the podium, let's say some sprint courses are like that and you feel like you're caught back instead of trying to make all these stupid half moves trying here trying there trying here and just blowing like burning your matches you got to just commit to one move on one part of the course and go i'm caught out by this part of the course with 500 meters to go or whatever it is i'm gonna i'm gonna go for broke and it's either gonna work or it's gonna crash and burn but i'm in fifth or sixth right now anyway and that's not where i want to be and oscar svensson when he found himself in a difficult situation <laughs> like leading down that hill he made the decision that i'm feeling good i just gotta i just gotta try and maybe i can catch them unawares and it just happened to work and that'll work like one out of a hundred times but who cares because the first time since 2016 it worked and the swedish flag hangs high after amazing sprint by all the women and we've talked about how great the swedish sprint women have been for the last number of years and today it was on full display yeah, I, I so before we jump over to the women, because I finally found, I knew I had sent you a a link to like the FIST database where I had typed in like history. And I'm sure this is probably what you looked at, perhaps is you know like Swedish results and podiums historically. And yeah, you're right. Obviously, I'm not questioning that. Like uh, 2016 Halverson in a 10k. 10K something. So I can just tell you, classic sprint, 2nd of December. Really? Yes, 2nd of December, 2016, Callie Halverson wins a World Cup. The 3rd of December, mm. 2016, 10K free, Callie Halverson wins. And then in the pursuit, he was garbage. But, yeah, sorry, 10K skate. And the, what was cool about that 10K skate is that was one of the last times we saw a real Swedish hero, Marcus Hellner, at the top of his game. And Marcus Hellner was 2nd. So Sweden went 1-2 in that 10k free in Lillehammer in December 3rd of 2016 and they went one and three in the classic sprint with Theodor Pedersen another total beast um for Sweden back in the days so it's uh it, it's been a long time coming and they only got one guy in the final but they made it count and it was really cool to see him not just finish fifth or sixth and just for people, they can go back and watch the video. Helner is the guy that you pushed back in the tortoise ski years ago, right? <laughs> oh, you got to keep hammering on this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I I, instead, of, instead, of, instead of saying it like that, I would have said Helner is the guy that won the 30K skiathlon in Vancouver at the Olympic Games. Fair enough. Helner is the guy that won the sprint in the Oslo World Championships in 2011 with 100,000 fans beating none other than Petter Nortug in the first individual race at those World Championships. You're right. <laughs> I would have picked right. a whole lot of highlights with Marcus Hellner instead of like an idiot Canadian that was racing a little too tight um, in a tour de ski back in the days. But anyway, no, it's uh, Marcus Hellner for those that are haven't haven't followed the sport as as for a very long time you can you can type in his name and you'll see a plethora of um yeah he was a he's a swedish hero there's no question he, he's one of the best skiers ever from sweden and uh he's had a lot of great races and here's just one little thing did you notice because I, I got a text from someone did you notice uh Bolshinov being a little bit like p pissed off or surly after not winning today 
Ah, I mean, he definitely wasn't happy. He definitely wasn't happy. He wasn't able to claw back, but I didn't see him like really lose his cool or anything. It's always hard to know with the Russians. They, they keep it pretty close to the chest. A lot of those guys, especially Bolshinov. Um, but what I will say is when he watches the video, he will be a bit peeved because nobody had faster skis in that final than Bolshinov. And he's had great classic skis the whole tour, but especially here in Val de Fiam. And the reason why I'm harping on this is it is really hard to differentiate with skis when it's cold, stable conditions with clean snow. That is like the hardest condition to differentiate with skis. A lot of people's skis, it's easy waxing. A lot of people can be competitive. World Cup skiers have, you know, Bolshinov is probably traveling with upwards of 60 pairs of skis, plus all of the Rosinol race service guys that are coming with new, new skis every weekend. So, so he has the pick of the litter. Yeah, that's true. But at the end of the day, there's not going to be that big differences with the waxing. There's also something called structure. I mean, um, a lot of the bigger teams have have uh, stone grinders, maybe not with them at the Tour de Ski, but they will for sure have stone grinders with them uh, for the World Championships. And that's been something that teams have been doing the last number of years. Um, so he has the best grind. He has the best waxing. Yeah, he has the best Rosinol skis available because he's the number one guy on Rosinol. But in cold, stable conditions, there's a lot of skis that, that can be competitive because there's just not that many variables you need to control for. Okay, on the women's side. Uh, well, and, and I, one last thing is that tomorrow, obviously, Bolshinov goes in with like a three and a half minute lead. It's over, you know, barring seismic activity in Italy or something. Not even, exactly. Barring that, barring like an earthquake or something. Right. Uh, Bolshinov is going to walk away with this tour. And we knew that from day one or day two, let's say. Uh, he was the strongest competitor here. There's no one from any other country that can they can go toe to toe with him. And as strong as the whole Russian team has been in this tour to ski, the fact of the matter is they're two bit players again behind Bolshinov. There's a few Norwegians that can that can challenge him here and there, but that's it. So the tour to ski win will go to Bolshinov, um, barring some absolute catastrophe with literally like a natural disaster. Um, and this will end a fairly boring. Tour de ski. But one last thing I will say, Gus Schumacher has a real chance to race himself into the top 15 in the overall standings. And 13, 14th is a real possibility. He's a good skater. He's hungry and he's young. So it'll be really fun to see how he can uh, coach skate up that, that Alpine Hill tomorrow. And I think the format changing to a mass start will really help Gus. It'll help a lot. When we get to the women, it's going to really help Jesse too. Um, it, it's so much easier to, Oh yeah, it's so much easier to it's just so much easier to ski in a pack. So, but Gus Schumacher can finish this tour, his inaugural tour in the top fifteen. Uh, that's that's quite an accomplishment, and he has had a wonderful tour to ski. And the future is bright for the those young American men led by none other than Gus Schumacher. I also want to say, cool to see a couple Americans make the heats um, for the men, even though you know Gus made the heats and and just wasn't he's just not at the level to compete with these guys in the classic sprint and Kevin while he looked like solid and was trying to make the right moves he just got caught out and <clears throat> again wasn't quite strong enough to to do what he needed to do which is too bad to see and for those that are kind of half following this tour to ski and, and we're expecting to see Sammy Hamilton's name he's back in the U.S. Um, he dropped out of the tour uh, it's been a fairly disappointing season again so far. Uh, he had some okay, quali not okay. He had some wonderful quali qualifications earlier in the season. Fourth, I think. Yeah, but he's struggling this season again, which is sad to see. And the reality is, I really there's one place now that that Simi Hamilton can really do some damage and make some moves on the results page, and one only, and that's skate sprints at high altitude. And guess what? The Beijing Olympics is a skate sprint and it's going to be at high altitude right around the 1800 meter mark it will be 35 by then which you is think pretty... he's staying you think he's going to stay and ski next year i'm not sure that i that i'm not sure i haven't asked him about that or i haven't talked to him about that but if if the, if there is a carrot if there is a carrot to keep you in the sport uh someone like simmy that's that struggled for the last couple of years here um at least there is a skate sprint at the olympic games at high altitude and you know what dan jansen moments can happen so, you know, although he was a beast, but <laughs> that's a, uh, but, uh, that's the, the uh, off the top of my head, decathlon dude. No, man. I, isn't he, I, maybe I said his name wrong. Oh my God. But I thought he was the speed skater. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. The speed skater. I'm thinking of Dan. Remember those guys yeah. that oh, yeah. the, like Reebok did a whole, yeah, there's like exactly. a great podcast series. Sorry. But anyway, I'm just saying like the last chance to dance. 
Um, and but I feel bad for Simi. It's been he had all the opportunities like all the American men have had um, with Norway dropping out. And then, of course, having Norway, Sweden, Finland. And, and uh, I mean, not that Canada is a big player uh, right now on the men's side of things, but Canada also wasn't at the World Cup. So it was a good opportunity to collect some good World Cup points and, and uh, make a statement. And uh, Simi, sadly, was just not able to capitalize. Okay, the women's side, Diggins comes into tomorrow, the hill climb, uh, with a, you know, uh, slightly, I, off the top of my head, I'm looking for my stats here. 54 uh, yeah, seconds. Yeah, I was going to say, slightly mm-hmm. less than a minute lead coming into that over it's Stupak. Over. You think that's... Uh, yeah, it's so, oh, it's so over. Okay. Yeah, it's totally over. Stupak, as good as she is in classic, in skate, she hasn't, Jesse's one of the best skaters in the world, no matter what. Nobody's tougher. Like I said, Teresa Yohug and Jesse Diggins are the toughest in the women's field. And when I say toughest, I mean this never stay, never say die attitude. And they can just really dig so deep. And, you know, there's no one in the field that can match Jesse on this. And it's 54 seconds down to Stupak in second, who is oh, de- definitely not as good a skater as Jesse Diggins. And then it's 151. It's an eternity down to Krista Parmakowski in third. So I think it'll be kind of fun to follow that race for third because Eva Anderson is good on the climb and she is shown that she is in good shape. I mean, I said she wouldn't qualify and she did qualify and she wasn't, well, she skied that sprint heat with Diggins or quarterfinal, the fourth quarterfinal. She did ski it like a distance gear, but the fact of the matter is she made the top 30. She made the top 30 and that can happen when there's a lot of people missing and it's late in the tour. Um, But up that hill, Eb Anderson will be tough. It'd be hard. It's hard for me to think that she wouldn't clamber back up onto the podium. But also, Rosie Brennan, really good of Rosie to get back into the semifinals. It was a gritty quarterfinal to get her there. And in the semi, uh, she she looks tired. I mean, like she's just not skiing at the same level as she has all year. But she still made this semifinal. It was a little bit, not a little bit. It was a huge in the right direction when compared to yesterday, um, when it was like a horrendous dark day. So up the hill, I mean, you know what? She's 219 back and Parmakowski is 151 back. You're 30 seconds from a podium and Rosie Brandon is also quite tough as we've seen on display this season, especially. And in skating, she's got some skating chops. That said, the hill climb, it's coach skating. It's like, it's it's a it's a sideshow for sure. I, I, I love and hate to watch it you know actually i kind of love to watch it sadistically and i hate to do it myself and i hate to do it myself so 30 seconds might sound like a lot i think it's going to be a bridge too far for rosie sadly for the u.s fans just because ebba anderson has shown that the the aberration that happened was the was that she wasn't prepared for altitude when she got to val muster and that's why we saw her really struggle in the high altitude of the swiss alps because when she's come down from altitude she's been super solid and I've got to think that the podium should be, you know, Jesse Diggins, Stupak, and then Ebba Anderson for the overall. Okay. I'm curious, you know, back when you were a younger athlete and you were going to the tour for the first couple of iterations of your, you know, sort of uh, race cycle, how would you approach that final climb? Did you go out and preview whatever? I mean, obviously you're, you're wasted, right? It's the tour. And it was a different beast not to say that it's not stout right now. I mean, they've had five. No, it's not stout. Well, no, it's not that stout right now. It's not honestly. Well, we can get what's to that. stout is yeah. when you're digging. No, but here's what I'll say about the stoutness of of the tour de ski. It's been defanged. You can't compare it to the earlier iterations when you had like nine races and and going from like these epic transfers that were like eight hour drives between venues and and races that you had. 20 kilometer races you had 36 kilometer races in the tour i mean you can't compare it the tour in its first iterations was way 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 more difficult but what i will say what is difficult with the tour no matter how long the races are how long the transfers are when you are in the hunt like jesse is every day or rosie like it's a lot of mental stress on the athletes to get up and ready and bolshenov as good as he is i mean you, you, every athlete will have doubts at some point and you have to be super, when you have a great race too, like talk to anyone that's had only a few great races, let's say, that's not used to having podiums on the World Cup or, or something like that. Like ask Haley Swirbel how well she slept after Davos. 
when she when she snuck in for a podium you're like you're super fired up you're so high you're so jacked and in a tour de ski you can't let those highs get too high and you can't let yourself get too down with those lows and that and and so it is incredibly challenging for athletes like Jesse to manage your energy or Rosie or or Eba Anderson or all all the all the women that are in the fight and men that are in the fight for the overall that said, <laughs> I didn't have to contend with that final climb in the earlier iterations of the tour because as Zach um, so aptly put, I was not great at managing my energy and I found myself getting <laughs> sick most years in the Tour de Ski and either having to drop out or I remember especially when Arnold Munson, who's the Norwegian sprint coach, he was our coach and I was having a great season in the, the uh, 2000. 2008-2009 season and had podiums in earlier in the tour that tour de ski and I came to the last or to that Val de Fiem race which was a 20k classic at that time instead of a 15k and I had a brutal I had a fever like a like a bad fever George Gray had such a bad fever that he had to drop out we were roommates that's that I had a fever uh I was feeling like crap Babs actually had a fever and was sick a couple days before us and was like kind of on the up and ups Ivan Babakov. So we were really sick. I ended up racing that race. I'm like, in those days, Fist was super hardcore. You couldn't drop out and keep your points. So I had a bunch, I had a couple, like I had a bunch of top sixes and podiums. That's a lot of World Cup points. And I didn't, if I dropped out, I would have got zero, like walked away with nothing. So we made the decision that like, I'm just going to try and get myself to the finish. And I remember starting on the front line of that, of that race because I was in the top, I was in the top seven at the Tour de Ski and everyone was looking at me they didn't know i was like really ill going like oh this is devin's race i mean 20k classic back in those days like that was my that's that my bread jam. and butter 15k classic yeah that was my jam and instead i had two two um long underwear tops long underwear bottoms buff over my toque i was like shivering with a fever and going like i'm just gonna try and get around this in the time limit and not get cut out and i'm just gonna drag my sorry carcass up the final climb the next day to keep my points and i did do that and i ended up finishing i don't know like in the 20s i think in the overall tour down from top seven um consequently what was really cool about that and this is was ivan babakov the next day he also had a raunchy classic race because he's been feeling he'd been feeling like shit too and had a yeah with a fever and stuff but he he was a couple days before us um george and i who are roommates and he um he gets to the final climb and the guy wins the final climb so babs babs's win in the final climb i mean he's been top three a bunch but his win up the final climb the man of the day in the tour de ski was after recovering from a fever so if you ever are curious if russians are tough if you haven't learned that already by watching cross-country skiing i witnessed it so many times with that guy ivan babakov's the toughest guy i know and that was a that was a feat of strength because up that final climb in in uh, the 2008-9 tour de ski i was just dragging ass and hated my life so it's uh it's it's a beast though i mean like i remember the first times i did do the final climb and was that your first, first of all like, a couple of, the first time you raced it was that actually your first time up it I think that might have been my first time up because the 2006-7 Tour de Ski, I was out with, with being ill. I, I got a cold and had to drop out. The next year, I had to drop out with a cold. So I'm pretty sure that was the first time up at night. I was like skiing up the Alpes with a fever. It was brutal. Um, and then they changed the rules and you could drop out and keep your points. So, I mean, <laughs> that, 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 so, so that's another reason why the Tour de Ski is hugely defanged compared to what it used to be. Um, that said, that said, I... There's a couple things I hated as a in a, uh, as a ski racer, um, skating. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I I like skating in classic, but I, of course I did like classic better, which is weird because I have no wins in on the World Cup in classic. But um, steep. It's the superior steep climb. Yeah, classic's the superior technique. It's I'm a purist here. Um, but climbing steep offset climbing, I I just i still hate it man like i don't know i think my legs are my legs are too short that's for sure and I, I i don't know what it is i'm just i never felt good on steep courses i've struggled always in in steep courses and skating and there doesn't there is no steeper course ever created than just skiing for a shade under 4k up an alpine hill so you couldn't design a course worse well uh, they couldn't there, there wasn't a course that was um worse for me than the Alpes and I have dragged my carcass up there many times and 
and had some real heartbreaks up that up that climb falling the times that I finished fourth and seventh um you know the only thing that was stopping me from being higher up in the results list was Alpes when I just yeah the podium went up in smoke because I just couldn't climb that that stupid alpine hill to save my life so um you know i could be tough in races sometimes but uh yeah i just didn't have that prowess that ivan babakov has or or uh my wife Kristen had or Teresa yohug or or uh yeah heidi vang for example so and i uh i was garbage up that thing so uh, i'm curious here a little bit so so and to put this sort of sort of in the broader context maybe outside the tour to ski so the, the swedes obviously sweep the podium really just uh, uh, would not be unsurprising even if the Norwegians were present. No. Right? No, no. No, I don't think the result would change with the Norwegians present. But, they, they yeah. is, a, is a total feats of strength and we should talk about that a little bit. Lynn Svahn has been the darling of the tour other than other than Jesse Diggins, who's the queen. <laughs> so the <laughs> the queen of the tour is Jesse Diggins. She's, she's made no mistakes. But Lynn Svahn has had just a wonderful tour and today make no mistake she came to play and she took another victory um what a tour to ski she's had and Dahlqvist is no slouch in the classic technique or skate technique she's a super strong Maya Dahlqvist from Sweden in second and then the Ribom of course is a great classic sprinter as well and they swept the podium and you know what like you said it, it wasn't surprising and uh, it was it was a great competition for the women again i thought and um while the swedes swept the podium it was well deserved and there was no one stronger well i'm curious like what are there was some um from what i've gathered there's there was some high level racing in norway i think this weekend or it's not this weekend earlier this week or last yeah no it's right week. now okay, right no, now this weekend I, this weekend lingna yeah and these are essentially the world championship trials it is a weekend but every day just seems to blend into the other during That's the tour true. to ski Got i'm it. like okay you're right it's saturday so there's high level racing what are you seeing um you know in norway right now from those top con- competitors and where people are standing from both say the men and the women and uh, they'll be back on the World Cup in a few weeks in, I think, Lati. Lati, yeah. They're coming back to the World Cup in Lati. They have their national championships next weekend. And just with the state of how they have to pick their teams for World Championships, these races in the in a small town, or not, even not a, it's not even a town, but a, a ski course called Lingna, which is a couple hours, not even, an hour and a half from Oslo, um, where you have a Norwegian cup, a normal Norwegian cup, but you never had a Norwegian cup field like this because absolutely every top Norwegian is present. And I'll just quickly go through it. I mean, on the sprint side of things, you had Alma Svensson, who's, uh, she has been a solid classic sprinter, but she's by no means a, a podium favorite for the world championships in classic. Nice to see uh, Mike, Mike and Kasperson Falla back after struggling with her lungs and sitting out a competition before Christmas. Um, and she made her way to the final. So she's still building back her form. Um, from the men's side of things, you have two guys that are, if they were not both on the podium at the World Championships in the Classic Sprint, I'll be shocked, is Eric Valnes beat Claybo again in the qualification, but Claybo turned around and beat him in the final, but they went 1-2. Claybo and Valnes look great in the sprint, and um, I, yeah, like I said, they, barring an accident, they should be both on the podium. Well, one will win, and the other one will be on the podium. Um in Oberstdorf later this season they looked fantastic and in the distance racing in Lingna today it was a 15k skate individual start perfect conditions minus 12 tons of snow look great tough battle and a good good course there I mean it's a it's a challenging course there as well and no surprises I mean shoot off the wins um, beats Hans Christerholen the 50k world champion from 2019 I you know what you can name all those guys they're all world champions from 2019 I know, I'm looking they, won, at the list they won every, right now, they won every like, race they won yeah. every race at the world championships in 2019 but shoot off the wins two seconds over Hosa uh, Hans Christerholen and then you have Kruger uh, in third who is the Olympic champion in that the most dramatic ski race that's ever been skied? The if you ever want to see the most amazing ski race you've ever seen in your life, go back and watch the 30k ski athlon from Pyeongchang. Uh, Kruger is the Olympic champion in that event, and he was third. And what was cool about this is like those three guys really separated themselves. They were Hosa was so Holland was two seconds back off Shurota and six seconds back off Rota, so four seconds behind Hans Christer Holland was Kruger, and then there was a kind of a sizable gap down to to a real like real young gun big talent uh harald amundsen 
who is a world junior champion and he's a world under 23 champion from last year. And now he's done three 15K skates this season. He's been first, second, and now fourth. So I'm not going to say his ticket is punched for the world championships, but it's looking really good. And like we've talked about before, Norway has a Norway has a history of um, producing quite quite strong skiers and Odmanson is definitely one to watch yet another great race from the women's side of things today in the distance race 10k skate in Lingna Norwegian Cup Terezi Ohag wins by over 30 seconds so she's showing that she hasn't lost a beat of course she hasn't she's the best female skier in, in the world by by a sizable margin um Heidi Vang though up in second that was a great race by her although she's really struggling mentally with this whole COVID-19 thing she's she's just super sketched out about it which like we've talked about that's fair we got to support people that are sketched and we got to support people that are laissez-faire you know every everyone's living their own experience and in third is foster's home the 19 year old uh wonderkin and uh you know it, it, there's it's been said that she's going to skip the world juniors this year after winning it in a just absolute beat down last year um to focus all her efforts on the on the world senior championships and that probably is a smart thing to do for her seeing as though she's been top three in most distance races or all distance races in Norway and she's only 19 so a podium at the world championships as a senior uh, at the senior world championships as a junior is something that is definitely realistic for Foss's home if she keeps up this momentum and it'll be cool I think the world championships is setting up to be a great event as well I mean we do have to touch one more time though on Frida Carlson Frida Carlson drops out of the tour Frida Carlson drops out of the tour today, and I'm sorry to keep going back on this, but there probably is some juniors listening or some young seniors listening. Please take take notice of what happened to Frida Carlson. She also has way too much energy, and she's doing chin-ups the morning of races in the afternoon. Who does chin-ups the in the morning of, of distance races? Nobody nobody does that because it doesn't make any sense. And she had a chin-up failure and has injured her, her pelvis or glutes, whatever. It's actually been reported that something her pelvis feels bad. Uh, something's wrong there. And yeah, so so but 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 the reality of the fact of the reality is you should not be doing chin-ups the morning of races and distance races. If you're a distance racer, like that makes zero sense. And I hope she learns from that because that was a real junior move. That's a total junior move. And I feel really bad for Frida Carlson because she was sitting third in the overall standings. And we all talked about how good she could be up the hill. I mean, Classic Sprint is also a good event for her. And now she goes home, leaving a lot of World Cup points on the table. I mean, she could have just like hacked it in and been top six at least, uh, top five. And instead, which is a ton of World Cup points. And instead, she goes home to prepare for the World Championships. But make no mistake, Frida Carlson will be one to watch also at the World Championships. She was she was the surprise of the 2019 World Championships where she took two medals in the Senior World Championships as a junior. So the World Championships is setting up to be a great competition. We can all look forward to that. But before we do, like, get your sparklers out. It's uh it's a, it's a it's it's a it's a contrast here. The US is a complete disaster and I can say that because I'm Canadian. And <laughs> is this going to be like a US is a complete disaster? We're not talking skiing right now, right? <laughs> no, we're not. We are not talking skiing. We're talking the assault on the Capitol. Gosh, you know what's interesting? The verbal diarrhea. No, we're going to say it. I'm going to say it cuz I'm I'm a I it can get all the hate mail I want. I'm Canadian. Dude, know? it's all I, good. Go for it. And sometimes and the best is too sometimes people will like harp on my quote unquote journalism, <laughs> like make no mistake. I am no journalist. Um, these are my opinions and my opinions alone, but you know, Trump, Trump has really done a number with, um, riling up some fairly unhinged people in, in the U S and we saw the culmination of that. But as you're kind of depressed with that news, turn your sights to an Alpine Hill in Italy because what Jesse Diggins is on the cusp of accomplishing has to go down. Well, it's the best. It, it's it's the. I mean, indiv individually, there's no question. It's the best performance of Jesse Diggins' whole career. No question. Individually, I mean, the Olympic gold and and also the 2013 World Championship gold in the team street team sprint, both with Keegan Randall, are wonderful performances. But this is this is the next level. And if she comes away 
with this trophy and 68,000 Swiss Ooh. francs. Not that it's about the money for Jesse. Not that it's about the no, money but- for Jesse. Her sponsors take good care of her. She's doing totally fine. But the fact of the matter is winning the Tour de Ski is a huge accomplishment. That goes without saying. Jesse Diggins is at everything right. Today even, finishing finishing top 10 in the classic sprint and skiing the way she skied. She's, yeah, hats off to the whole team in the U.S., Matt Wickcomb, Chris Grover, Fish, Cork, especially Cork. That guy hates the spotlight, and I'm calling him out. Jason Cork has been there. No, but Jason Cork had his start at CXC back in the days and was coaching Jesse Diggins before Jesse Diggins was Jesse Diggins that we all know. And Cork's been there the whole time, and he's worked tirelessly, and he's put his life on hold. He hasn't put his life on hold. He's made the choices to give his life to Nordic to Nordic skiing and it's and it's been amazing and I think American ski fans can't appreciate the choices that these guys make especially the likes of Matt Wickcomb that just travels all the time he's never home and he hasn't been home in like over a decade the guy has given his life for US cross country skiing Jason Cork has given his life to US cross country skiing and especially Jesse Diggins being your personal coach, also taking care of all their equipment. Jason Cork, buddy, this one's also for you. This one's for Diggins and it's for the U.S., but I hope there's a hell of a celebration in the U.S. in the U.S. camp. Oleg, you've done an awesome job with the skis for a number of years, and, and I hope everybody celebrates because, you know what, in North America, Canada, U.S., there's just like these politics play. There's like negative Nancys. There's people shitting on each other. It, it's This is ridiculous. We're not good enough for this. You know, like no one, and we're not a big enough ski, we're not big enough ski cultures, but when performances go down like this, that's about to go down tomorrow with Jesse Diggins, or like, you know, when Alex Harvey won the 50K at the World Championships in 2017, like there's just some absolute program defining moments. And I think it's important to just take pause and name some of the people that are behind those athletes that are putting together those beautiful performances, not to mention their teammates, but it's, um, you know what, I'm, you know, we sh- can't pop the champs till, till the line is crossed, but it's a mass, but it's a mass start, you know, it's a mass start event. Diggins doesn't have to do a whole lot. And well, I mean, you have to do a lot up that climb, but it really is only like 16 minutes of work. Cause you're just cruising down on the flats, gradual downhill all the way. And then you turn left and head up an alpine ski hill and it's about 16 17 minutes of of hell but nobody fights like diggins and 54 seconds is is enough with stupak uh, i'm sure of it okay we're going to end on this light note because i actually thought you were going to go down a little uh, just a darker wormhole there starting out that conversation i'm glad there was a it was a good quick segue which is good there's been a lot of weird news lately right um oh yeah so I was just looking up something about Alex Harvey this morning and one of the, it was like, you know, Google doing Google and there was Alex Harvey network, Alex Harvey net worth. And I clicked it. Okay. Okay. And I'm assuming this is a joke, but I really did not dig deep into this. So it says Alex Harvey network net worth. There's a, there's a photo much like you playing the air guitar with the skis, right? Okay. Uh, Alex Harvey is a blues singer who has a net worth of three million. That may or may not be. That's true. No, but that's not the Alex. That's not the Alex Harvey cross country ski racer. And I think that's so awesome because in Quebec, there's only one prince of Quebec, baby. That's Alex Harvey the skier. But is there the another world, Alex Harvey? Alex Harvey. Oh yeah, man! It's Alex Harvey the band. Okay, get it, because- up on your, get it locked up on your Spotify. There's been a lot of mistakes that have done that. So I think the net worth, the net worth you're looking at is Alex Harvey, the musician. Yeah, but it's, which I think is it's, hilarious. Well, it says here it's a blues singer born in Scotland. Yeah, exactly. And it says the, he led the sensational Alex Harvey band. But the funny thing is, I don't know if it's yeah. like a Wikipedia thing where someone can go in and doctor it. There's a photo of Alex Harvey the skier there strumming the skis. That's amazing. That is amazing. That That's so funny. Oh, funny, because I thought for sure, I was like, I'm sure you guys did something and put up this fake site or fake page. No, no, no. There actually is a band. There actually is a band because people have asked me that that do not follow skiing whatsoever. It's like, oh, just, just, Google, just Google Alex Harvey and they do. It's like, I don't know, man. All I'm getting up is like, what I get up is like, this this like band that i've never really heard of like the alex harvey band and i'm like is, th- is this some kind of joke i'm like no no that's like 
cross-country skiing is just that small a sport, especially outside of Quebec. <laughs> so that's uh, in North America. In North America, sorry, Alex Harvey has to take second fiddle to um, to a blues guitarist. Well, actually, a, like um, the head of a band. Okay, if you get this bonus question right, I am going to set evidently there's a Venmo account for beer for the wax text for the US. And it may be okay. Matt Wickham's Venmo account. I don't know. But if you get this right, I will, I'll send something over there. Okay. There's no way I'll get this right. You never know. Okay. This is before he was famous, Alex Harvey, the guitarist. Okay. You're going to fill in the blank possibly. He worked odd jobs such as carpentry and blank. I have no idea. Taxi driver? <laughs> no, no. Tombstone carving. Tombstone carving. Well, you know what? That's a great storyline if you're running a band. If you want some like street cred and be legit. I know. Alex Harvey, the band. Alex Harvey, the musician. Tombstone car carving. The only tombstones Alex Harvey, the skier, was carving was all of us mopes when he was crushing us in intervals. Good enough. Okay, well, thanks for your time. And um, we'll, yeah, I think it's like 3.45 my time in the morning, which actually, yeah, it's all good. It's good. Thanks for your 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 um, amazing coffee coffee in, input. Yeah, thanks for coffee. I don't even coffee can't really. I, I would never be able to do what you do. So no, and I want to say thanks to the. I got to say thanks to the people that are writing us emails too. I know I'm slow to write back, and sometimes and sometimes I miss sometimes I miss absolutely. It, but I really do appreciate I really appreciate the dialogue, and I think it's really cool that people ask questions and are curious about stuff. I try to answer them, or you. I know you try to answer them too, Jason. So. Um, keep, keep writing, keep writing. No, no, but just keep, but just keep writing us emails and we'll, we'll try and get to them as, as much as we can. And hopefully when the racing calms down a little bit, maybe we can get to some listener questions, uh, episodes as well and, and cover those. But I think it's a great time to be a fan of American skiing. Of course, it, of course it is with Gus with a chance to race himself into the top 15 as a first year senior and then jesse diggins with a very good chance to win the whole thing and rosie brennan she does have a chance to sneak herself up to third and even if she doesn't what a tour to ski and what a season it's been okay have a good night you too man see you talk to you tomorrow peace thanks for listening and one more stage to go